Hey, this is Buzz Bishop, and you're listening to the Don't Change Much podcast, brought to you by the Canadian Men's Health Foundation. It's a show about how to improve the health and well-being of men and their families with simple lifestyle changes. Our guest today is none other than the regular host of this podcast, Dan Murphy. Now, normally Murph asks the questions, but we've switched mics and dedicated this episode to learn a little bit more about him and what simple lifestyle changes to improve health and well-being means to Murph. So the doctor is the patient. Welcome to the other side of the microphone, Murph. Yeah, it's good to be here. I'm under the spotlight. Are you comfortable there? You need to get some uh, 110% effort. Your stick on the ice, pucks in deep. You need any cliches off your chest to feel the vibe of a guest? We'll see. However tough the questions are, that's when I might have to roll up the odd cliche. (laughs) We'll get to your life as a sportscaster and sneak inside the dressing room to get some stories of your life up against the glass in the NHL. But we need to start with some congratulations. You've been a face and voice of the Canadian Men's Health Foundation for a while now, but now you are officially a spokesperson. You're a national champion for the Canadian Men's Health Foundation. Congratulations. Yeah, it's, thank you very much. It feels good. I like working in this sphere. I hope we provide something that helps people, and I think uh, going through it in turn helps myself in many ways. I tend to learn a lot as we go through this process. So it's been fun. Now, being a face in the media, you get pulled into all sorts of charitable directions. What attracted you to uh, the Canadian Men's Health Foundation? Well, first off, good friends are involved in it. T.C. Carling, the president and CEO, and Ben Brown came on board, and he's been instrumental in, in helping me through this process of being the host of this. But I think a lot of it for me started too, just with the passing of Rick Rippon back in uh, 2011. That's when I first really started to think about mental health problems in a serious way, started to pay attention to others who open up about such things. And and that's kind of uh, where it took off from. So I would say that's where things started for me. Through this first season, you've spoken with Jody Vance, Kevin Bieksa, Corey Hirsch, John Herdman, TC, among others. What has stood out for you during this, this first season? Well, a few things. I don't want to pick favorites, but just for myself, interviewing John Herdman, I think was was a real eye-opener. I mean, you know he's a great communicator, he's a great storyteller, he's a great leader, and you can understand why with just the way he spoke about his story with such with such passion and knowledge and understanding. I found that to be a great one. Also, the one with Kelly Rudy and Dr. David Cool about uh, having a positive, you know, father mentorship with uh, with your child and how that pays dividends down the road. I found that to be great. And BXA too, just because we've had such a great relationship over the years. And I think we kind of try to live the same type of lifestyle now. Now, obviously he was a professional athlete before, but just in terms of, as we get on in life, trying to, you know, maintain some sort of physical and mental, uh, healthy physical and mental health uh, relationship. So I think, you know, I'm not going to pick favorites, but those are a few that stood out. Yeah. Those are some highlights where everybody can scroll through the archives. You know, the one with juice really stuck with me too, and, and the routine You know, there are six pillars that we promote as part of this podcast, getting active, eating healthy, lowering stress, sleeping better, drinking less, quitting smoking. And you're on this month to talk about the get active pillar, exercise and healthy lifestyle routines. What was the moment that challenged you to prioritize your health? Well, I was like probably most young boys, super active into the high school years, played a ton of sports, soccer and baseball till I was 18. It was slightly competitive in tennis, but just had that 
you know, the metabolism you have as a teenager. You could eat whatever you want and nothing seemed to change with your body. I went away to university. You know, I stopped playing soccer, stopped playing baseball. You know, intramurals don't offer as much. And I got on the beer and pizza diet, as most do in university. And the freshman 15 was real. And after two years, it might have been the freshman 40. So, you know, that's kind of what, you know, I'm a pretty thin guy. And so when you gain a ton of weight in your face and your stomach, you, it's, it's easy to see. And I think it was after my third year of university, I came home and a good friend of mine, Larry Hurd, he said, basically, you look like a bag of milk and this needs to change. And he was a guy that had been a gym goer since, you know, the age of 16. And back then, like in 85, 86, I don't think there was a focus on going to the gym as much as there is now. And so I said, okay. And so that's what got me to the routine. It was, it was at that time, it was strictly vanity play. I wanted to look better. I wasn't thinking about physically being healthier. I just wanted to get in better shape, see if you could grow some muscles, see if you get the six pack back. So that's kind of where it all started for me, the routine. And, and really, I don't think I've looked back since. I've kept some sort of routine ever since that would have been I guess since 91, 92 in that time. Okay. But even with that routine, uh, you still have health challenges. You're, you're taking medication for high cholesterol, right? Yep. Yep. And uh, that's just brand new. I'd say right before the season started this year, uh, October, early October, I got sick. I tested myself a number of times that never came positive for COVID, but I just you know, for about two months, I was lethargic. I would still go to the gym, still do my routine, but I was tired all the time. I didn't have energy. And so I thought I better just go in and, and see what's going on because it didn't feel like myself. And so I went in and did all the tests and everything was fine, except for my cholesterol levels were super high. I can't remember what the markers are. If it was supposed sure. to be 1.5 or lower, I was like 5.3. So way over. And, you know, a lot of it's probably hereditary. Because my diet is fairly good. I tried a couple fad things like keto, which I would never do again now for myself because of these cholesterol levels. That's probably not yeah. the best diet. And so, yeah, right away you said you're on medication, which is fine. I'll take it. And the other one was blood pressure was high. Again, something my father's had. And so we've been monitoring that for the last month or so. And I'm going back in for a follow-up here pretty soon to see if I do have to take some medication for blood pressure. But it was a bit of an eye opener because I'd always lived, you know, a fairly healthy lifestyle and uh, we can get into, you know, routines and that later, but this is, I guess, life when you crest the age of 50. I mean, right. you're going to start to get into some of these problems. And so, yeah. And I say now though, since about uh, January, early January, I've back to normal, whatever I had, whether it was long COVID or something else viral. It's gone away because I feel, you know, normal again, so to speak. Talk to me about that conversation about having meds. Because when I saw my doc about a year and a half ago, for the last time I had my markers done, I was borderline and he's like, well, you can work on it or we can give you medication. And I was, I was afraid to go on the medication. I thought that was like, like given in. And I said, oh, we can, we can work on it. <laughs> I haven't yeah. worked on it very well. <laughs> well what, about, what is the decision to go on medication to treat something like that and admitting that, you know, maybe just the routine alone can't settle it? Well, the first thing I asked was, what are the side effects? Right. I mean, that's the main question you're going to ask. And he said, you might get some muscle soreness, like muscle aches. And I was like, okay, whatever. The second thing I do is my sister's a doctor. She works in Emerge. And so I called her and asked her. And she said, you know, it's better to get on these things now and get them under control, whether it be blood pressure or cholesterol, 
than to worry about it when you're 60, when it might be even worse. So she was all for it. She agreed with the doctor's recommendation. And so that was, you know, comforting to me to know that she had no problem with it and she agreed with it. So with those two things, and I think I had a little bit of the side effects, not much, but I haven't noticed anything else. And like I said, I'm going back in for my checkup. I'd like to see where my markers are now. And then he's going to decide whether we can decrease the medication a little bit, increase it a little bit and see where we go from there. It is just a simple pill every time you have breakfast yeah, or night, before you go to night. bed. Or... Yeah, before bed. Manage your stress, not the other way around. For simple ways to improve your mental health, check out the free MindFit Toolkit from the Canadian Men's Health Foundation. Complete a self-assessment, access virtual counseling, and learn more about how anxiety, stress, or depression might be impacting your health. Go to menshealthfoundation.ca and access the MindFit Toolkit to start improving your mental wellness today. Now, I think most guys watching on TV think you have a glamorous life. You're traveling, you're around the sport we love, you're meeting the players. What's a typical day like for you during the season at home versus on the road? At home, my day usually starts, I wake up sometime before five and that's when I'll go to the gym because I try to get everything done before my daughter gets up. She's 10, she goes to school. And I'm on the road so much that when I'm home, I like to do as much as I can for my wife because she's got a full-time job as well. So I usually get home from that at seven-ish, get the daughter up, make her lunch, feed the dogs, you know, unload the dishwasher, yeah. whatever, walk uh, my daughter to school. And then I usually go to the office and then the rink. And so whatever your day consists of at that point, I get home usually around 10, 15 at night. So your day is, it's fairly long. I have added in my day now at, at on home games after I'm done my work in the afternoon from the office, I'll try to go for a walk, 45 minutes to an hour, just instead of sitting there and watching TV, unless there's something compelling, like I'd watch the golf if you know one of the Canadians was involved, I might say, okay, sure. I'm foregoing my walk today. But I try to do that, just get outside, get a little fresh air, just make it feel better. The road's a different animal because a lot of the time you're getting to a hotel after a game at one or two or three in the morning. So clearly I'm not getting up at five, but I will still try to get the work head in before work and do the same type of thing. Go for a walk after I'm done my work. And there you go. So the, the sleep takes a bit of a beating on the road, especially when you get home at, you know, say coming home from road trip out east, you get home at two or three in the morning, which is five body time. And then, you know, your child's getting you up at 630 because she wants to play. So that's sleep patterns have never been that great for me, but I'm kind of used to it. And as long as you get a couple good ones a week, I, I find that helps me out. So I try to keep similar routines at home as I do on the road, but that can be challenging with nutrition and stuff like that as well. Right. Well, when you're hanging out with Cheech and Shorty and putting ketchup <laughs> on everything, I mean, I'm sure nutrition. <laughs> you travel with two toddlers, it's difficult, you know, because I don't want to eat chicken fingers and fries every meal. <laughs> so the sleep part is is intriguing to me. I'm I'm a morning radio guy. So I'm up at four every morning for my job. And I have I have a hard deadline at eight uh, for me to get into bed. And so I'm trying to get eight from bed to alarm anyway. Maybe it takes me an extra half hour. I'm doing the math on you and you're getting six. Is How how does that crush you? Well, it's, at home, it's I usually get the daughter down around nine. And then I'll try to literally go in and, and read a book at that time to try to fall asleep before 10. And I don't set an alarm. I mean, I'm always going to wake up a couple times in the night. And usually I'll wake up sometime between 4.30 and 5 and I'll get up. If I have a flight or something, I'll set the alarm, although I'll look at my phone 50 times during the night to make sure I'm not going to miss it. So, but I, I have found that my sleeps are actually 
they've gotten better than they used to be. And if I'm sleeping fairly soundly from 10 until 4.45 with a couple of wake-ups, I find that's good. But if you have a couple home games and then I'm not going to bed till 11, I find by the end of the week, I'm a little bit tired. So I need to try to get a seven hour or a little bit more on the weekend. Tell us about the exercise. You're at the gym for five. So it's important to you because you make, that's that's an ungodly hour. So uh, what do you do when you're there? I mean, it's just a combination of some cardio and some weights. I think that once you get to my age, they say weights are more important than cardio um, because you can get your heart rate up doing that and you can, you know, maintain muscle mass, which you need as you get older. And then I'll try to maybe go for that walk in the afternoon. So it's nothing complicated. I try to change things up every once in a while to, you know, keep myself interested. And if you do the same things over and over, your body learns how to cheat those exercises. So you know, as simple as I might be in bed the night before and I might look on Instagram at some different people that are fitness instructors and I'll see something, I'll say, I'll try that tomorrow. So just to keep things interesting, but you know, it's nothing complicated at all, you know. So, uh, and, and not with a trainer, you're just, you know, pulling it a la carte and just kind of alternating between upper and lower because you can't skip leg day, right? Well, you would think that I do if you see my legs, I don't. But yeah, no, I will, I will work different different body parts each day. Is that is that walk in the afternoon something that helps you deal with stress? I don't know if I'd say stress. I like clear my head. It's I've tried to start listening to podcasts because believe it or not, you know, hosting a podcast, I really have not made, I don't know how many I've downloaded in my life. It'd be less than 10. <laughs> but those 10 have all come in the last like, you know, six months. So I started to download some podcasts to walk and listen. So yeah, it's just more to get out and, and get some fresh air. And, you know, you walk over the Broad Street Bridge and back over the Canvas Street Bridge, it's beautiful. And I just do that instead of sitting on my chair at the office and, and turning on the TV. Now, sometimes if I'm tired, then I'm like, you don't have to go for the walk. You don't have to feel guilty if you can't do the walk. It's just something I wanted to incorporate. Right. Have you ever had a time in your life where you were struggling and, and your exercise routine helped snap you out? Well, I mean, sure. I mean, I think that's a big reason why I do it. I find that if I if I can't get the workout in, I mean, when you go on vacation, it's different, you know, right? You're on vacation. You might not have the facilities. You might not have the time. You're, you know, doing different things. So I don't stress on vacation. I might try to get a couple runs in, but if I don't do it, that it's nothing I beat myself up over. But I find that if I don't start my day off that way, I don't feel as good during the day. I don't feel like I've is accomplished as much. I don't feel like I've set myself up for the day. And if you are committed to waking up and working out, well, then you treat yourself a little bit better at night because you know that morning is coming awfully quick. So it's twofold that way for me. But no question, if when I'm working out and I'm feeling good, mentally, I feel much better than the other way around. So... Is discipline something you, you struggle with or is it just, you've got that routine now going for 20 years? Yeah, discipline's not the thing. I mean, the road, I've kind of made my rule that if, I mean, I like to have some beer, I like to have some wine, some cocktails. So on the road, if I'm going to consume bad calories, it's going to be through, you know, some drinks instead of bad food. So on the road, if I can do two or three things, work out, eat right, then I can, you know, reward myself with a couple glasses of wine at night or wherever on the plane. And that's not to say that if I see a burger I want every once in a while, I'm going to have it. Fries, you know, right? I mean, you you don't have to be perfect. So I've always kind of lived my life that way, that if I need to do two of those three things on the road to set myself up for some sort of success, 
And so discipline that way, it's never really been a problem because I like it. Right. Right. I, I like to do it. It's not something I, I don't want to do. I like to get up. I don't always like to get up, but I like to go to the gym. I like to feel like I'm, you know, doing something good for my body. So the discipline part, I don't think has been much of a problem at all. No, and and that's the whole theme of this, right? Is don't change much. It's like so you look at it, and you you've got three angles here, and you got to knock off two of the three. It's not like you're trying to be a, a natural Arnold and and trying to get yeah. to the top of the. No, you're just trying just trying to get through life with a smile on my face and keep my machine working as best as it can. Yeah, and one thing that I've that I've kind of learned, I'm going to say probably even over the last five years, is I used to be like, if I don't have an hour and a half, I don't want to do it. It's not a proper workout. It's it's you know it's it's not doing me any good, and and I'd get upset if I didn't have time. Now, if I have a half an hour and I can just take the dogs for a walk around the block, I'm doing it. Or you know, it's if you have 20 minutes, it's better to do you know 50 push-ups and 50 air squats and nothing, or go for a brisk walk. You know, like if you don't have the time to do what you what you kind of set out to do because you you ran out of time or whatever life gets in the way. Uh, you don't have to be perfect. You don't have to do what you wanted to do. You can do what you have time to do. And I think that that's something that I've learned to accept, especially, you know, since, you know, being a father and, you know, and having a bunch of other time commitments around that. So I think that's something that I'm much better at now than I used to be. Have you seen the movie Stutz on Netflix, Jonah Hill doing the documentary on his therapist? I haven't. No. Okay. So in it, it's a fascinating documentary. Over the course of a year, they they do a conversation. It's just how, how Jonah deals with his things. But it kind of feels like you're getting free therapy when you're watching it. And one uh, one thing that Stutz talks about is, is he has a pyramid, and there's three levels to it. And the foundation, the bottom, where you draw all your energy from is the body. And you have to look after your body. So it's sleep, exercise, and diet. And if you're in a rut, if if something's not feeling well, then it's your body that's the basic that you come back to. Then it's relationships and then it's being creative or, or doing something that you feel good. And that's where all of your life force comes from. But it's if your body's not feeling right, then it doesn't matter if you have all the friends or you're being super creative and, and great at work. It, body is the foundation. Yeah. And I, I, I just I just find that that pyramid fascinating. And that's what I, I can totally what believe I keep it in my mind. Because when I was feeling like crap from, you know, early October till the end of the year, I didn't feel as good emotionally or physically or mentally, you know, when I wasn't, uh, you know, getting the workouts in or I always felt tired. I could fall asleep for 20 minutes in a heartbeat in the middle of the day, you know? So at that time, definitely I was, I'm not gonna say I was struggling, but I wasn't as happy as I usually would be because I didn't right. know what was going on. You've got your your daughter. You take her to school. That's that's some great chatting time. How do you how do you involve her? And in, she's not coming to the gym with you at five in the morning. No, no. She if you're if, if we're away somewhere and there's a gym, she likes to come in. But that's only because she wants to get on a treadmill and turn the TV on, or you know, try out the bike for two minutes and that type of thing. You know, it's funny. She's ten, so you ask her to walk down the block, and you might get pushback. But she goes swimming four times a week and swims 500 meters in each of those sessions because she doesn't realize it's exercise yet. So we're, we're trying to instill that in her. My wife is very physically fit. She has been, she's done Ironmans. So that's another thing. If you have your, someone in your life or relationship partner that, you know, is kind of trying to do the same types of things you do, you can push each other on. And it's a lot easier to have that commitment when you know 
someone else is getting up at six to do something. So we're trying to instill that in our kid, but you know, it's not, you know, she still eats McDonald's when she does something good or, you know, that type of thing. But we're trying to, you know, at least make sure she gets her physical activity in because she doesn't like to exercise. Let's put it that way. Yeah. Right. If she thinks it's exercise. Right. So, yeah. So it's walking to school instead of driving, right? So, which so many people in my neighborhood, it's only three blocks, but SUVs not, are lined up. that for us. <laughs> so, uh, uh, did, are you intimidated by your wife's exercise excellence? Are you inspired by it? Do you want to do an Ironman? I don't. I, I don't want to do that. She hasn't done one for, for a while, but she, you know, I don't know if I would have the discipline to do it or the time, especially now, considering how much time I leave her alone at home. I think I'm on the road, you know, somewhere around the neighborhood of 120 days a year. Right. So if I came back in the summer and said, I'm going to spend all weekend training, will you take care of the kid? I don't think I'd be able to do an Ironman because sure. my legs would be broken. But yeah, no, I mean, I, it's a tremendous accomplishment, um, but I don't know if I would have the discipline and I know I don't have the time. Right. And, and. And again, that's, that's the extreme that we talk about, right? Like you're just trying to keep your machine working and then there's other people who are trying to kill their machines. Right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Do you have any tips on, for guys on how to get started? I mean, yeah. you had a friend talk to you when you were in university and, and you've kept at it since, but how, yeah. how do you start? Well, a couple of things more on the fitness side. If you're just getting started, start with a half hour walk a day. You know, if that's all you have time to do and that's all you want to do. You don't have to, and then you just, you can build from there. You don't be intimidated by weights. Don't go to the gym right off the bat. If you're not comfortable, you can get some weights at home. Like I said, there's so many things online now that you can look at with not big weights. You're not at risk of injuring yourself by doing something wrong. But I would say just start small and build your way up. And then I always found that when you start to see even a little bit of results, that gives you motivation to keep going, right? So just get started. Don't be a discouraged if you don't see something after a week or two weeks. It might just be that you start to feel like, hey, I can walk for 40 minutes now. I feel good. And I'm not as tired after 45 minutes. And I would say on the, on the nutrition side, there's no secret pill. I mean, if you want to lose weight, you burn more calories than you consume in a day. And I don't, like at the start, it doesn't matter what, what those calories are, if it's McDonald's, whatever. Don't worry about the nutrition. If you want to lose weight, you burn 200 more calories than you've consumed. Keep track of it. Like, don't just guess it. Like the MyFitness app is super easy. It's got everything on there. You search for whatever food you had, whatever brand you put it in. And then once you kind of get that going, then you can learn a little bit more about eating foods and make it more efficient and make you more full where you can have more food. So just little things like that. If you can start simple by that walk a day and just trying to have a calorie deficit by just a little tiny bit, and then work your way because you don't have to take a giant step all at once. It's impossible. The Rock put out a great quote right around New Year's resolution time. And he's like, you can look at it and say one day or you look at it and say day one. Like you have to start sometime and, and wishing it isn't going to make it happen. So you can say one day or day one. And if you choose day one, then it gets there. Exactly. And I always say too, like imagine like if you start now, in three weeks, you're saying, man, I'm glad I started three weeks ago instead of like, oh, I should have started three weeks ago. And I always do December now. I kind of treat December 1st, not as January 1st, but I'm like, I'm not going off the rails in December. I'm going to kind of recommit December 1. So you don't just let it all like by December 15th, you're like, oh, I'll just get to it on January 1st. Yeah, and then right. January 1st, you're like, oh, why did I do this to myself? So I kind of, I tilt, I tilt that a little bit by a month now in, in December, just so I make sure that 
you know, I'm still going to ha- crush Christmas dinner and I'm still going to have all the festivities and the sweets, but I'm not going to just totally fall off the rails like I might have, you know, 10 right. years and, ago. And, you know, and here we are, Canada is waking up from a, a wicked winter. Spring is here. Day one is, you know, it's weather's better. You don't have to bundle up. And like you just said, 30 minutes walk, get yourself a dog. Is that, and, if uh, you've ever thought about getting a dog, outside. yeah, if you've ever thought about getting a dog and you want to get in shape, it's the greatest thing. You know, we have trails by our house and you know, my, my wife does it most of the time because I'm working, but you know, 45 minute walk with the dogs, an hour walk and they love it. And you get home and you feel like you've accomplished something too. Okay. So we've worked on our body. Now let's, let's go inside the locker room. Let's talk some, <laughs> some sports stuff. So you're the, so you're the game host for the Canucks on, on Sportsnet. You've, you've had a couple of hockey night in Canada stints, right? Yep. Yeah. No, we, ever since the Sportsnet got the rights, the national rights, if I've had a good opportunity to do some games, some playoff series, which are fun, but I still remember the first time I did it. I can't tell you the date, but the first hockey night game I ever got, we were in Arizona. And I remember looking down at the Mike flag, the hockey night in Canada, Mike flag, the CBC. And it was kind of a cool moment, you know, something you'd watched, you know, all your life growing up. And this is at this time I had been hosting games for Sportsnet for, you know, 10 years. Right. Not like it was new to me. It was just kind of the new, just something that you'd watch. It was kind of a cool moment. And then, you know, back in those days, the national games, we wouldn't get the playoffs. I would travel just for news and reporting. But now that we have it, you get to host some playoff series. So that's, that's been certainly fun. Unfortunately, having had a chance to do any Canuck series because understandably we have regional hosts and, and, and national hosts. Well, well, first off, the Canucks haven't made the playoffs that much since we got the rights. <laughs> well, let's be real. That's one thing. But if there's ever two Canadian teams playing, you know, if the Canucks were ever playing Calgary in the playoffs, they wouldn't want me doing it because all the Calgary Flames fans would say, what is the Vancouver going to do in our series? Right, Which exactly. I understand. So, yeah. You know, the, the cool... The coolest moment I saw everybody talking about with Matt Berlin when he did the University of Alberta goalie who got to play for the Oilers was, oh, and he got the towel. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, do you, do you have a Hockey Night Canada towel in your memorabilia? Well, I don't have them, but this is just something kind of funny. This was just two road trips ago. We were doing the Hockey Night game and we were in Florida. And my post-game interview was Eric Stahl, who's over a thousand games in the league. You know, he's won gold medals at the Olympics and I was very decorated player and I did the interview and Hockey Night Tell, I said, you probably have a million of these. He goes, yeah, actually I don't because, you know, the Hurricanes never did a lot of games on Hockey Night in Canada. So he took it with him proudly and I was kind of giggling because here's a guy that's, you know, so accomplished. He's got all these awards and even he was excited to get another Hockey Night Tell at that time. For sure. So tell us about some of the other interviews you do, one that kind of went maybe sideways. Well, well, you know, Kevin BX, he's probably my favorite subject over the years, just because we kind of started at the same time. I was there a little bit earlier and he's someone that keeps you on your toes. So I always enjoyed my times with him. Shane O'Brien was another, I would let him know in the morning that we were doing bench interviews. So he would go without a helmet and he'd make sure his hair looked good every time. So he always appreciated that. Good friends with Chris Pronger and he is like Bieksa that when you interview him, he'll tell you if he doesn't like the question, he'll ask you to rephrase it or ask something smarter. So I like people like that, that, that aren't afraid to give it back to you. Um, the twins got me one time in Pittsburgh after a game, Henrik came out and pretended like he was Daniel. I didn't notice until we were on the plane. And I was like, that's the clothes that Daniel was wearing and now Henrik's wearing it. So they got me one time. So that was a little bit off the rails. 
But yeah, I mean, those are some of the ones that stand out. Yeah. Um, do you do you get a chance to get autographs or memorabilia stuff? I mean, there's a professional line, but at the same time, like you're a fan. Yeah. Are you Peter Nedved trying to get a stick? After? <laughs> I have collected almost nothing in my time. I have, this is, this is my jersey collection. I have a Jason Strudwick Blackhawks jersey signed, okay. yeah. you know, because he was a former Kanaki's friends of ours. I have a Yarko Rutu signed blue Penguins jersey because he sent me it because I wanted to get one for my friend who's a Rutu fan. Yeah. I have a Steve Nash Team Canada basketball jersey, and I think I have a Tanner Glass Penguins jersey. That's it. I don't really have any place to, you know, put them up. Wow. But uh, I haven't collected anything. You know, I think when I'm done, maybe I'll ask Jeff Vinnick, who's a photographer. Yes. That, you know, and I'll say, can you send me some pictures of me interviewing guys? Yes. You know, maybe I'll keep those for a keepsake, but I haven't been one for memorabilia at all. Wow. I, when I broke into radio in Vancouver, Red Robinson was working across the hall. And I remember coming in and listening to him do the morning show on Sea Isle. And he was, oh, the time I met Elvis and then plays the interviewer. That time I was on stage with the Beatles at Empire Stadium and plays the clip. And and then the whole station was filled with photos of him and Buddy Holly and him and Johnny Cash and like go on and on. And then I just stopped and I'm like, I'm in the greatest era now. So unlike you, I have gone taken photos with as many people as I can and, and, and gotten the interviews, but I guess it's, or autographs, but I guess it's a little bit more of an informal relationship, you know, when, uh, when 98 degrees is in your studio, it's, it's, it's pretty casual as opposed to you on the bench before game four of a Stanley Cup final or something like that. Yeah. And, and I'm sure I would have no problem with any Canucks or former Canucks. I mean, I get jerseys signed for, for friends and stuff, but uh, it's just something I haven't really put a lot of value in and maybe I'll regret it one day. Uh, but as long as they get some pictures at some point, then they can pass those on. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. The photos are great. Was it being a sportscaster what you wanted to do when you, when you were in uni? Is that what you were studying? Communications or something? I was in communications, but I went to university with just to keep my education going. There was no foresight on it and then lived in Abbotsford and my friend's brother worked at the Rogers station in Abbotsford and they were one of the first people ever to get a sports mobile. So Drew Kirby was the name of the producer. So he's like, he would like, you guys want to go do a high school basketball game? Okay. Play by play high school basketball. So just try to do it that way. In fact, I'm glad these tapes don't exist. They might somewhere, but uh. my friend and I started a rock video show because they had all the rock videos. So we would do like these little, you know, intros and outros, extras of these videos on the cable, uh, like your own Wayne's World on the cable yeah, station. <laughs> basically, yeah. 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 We, we'd do a couple of like 15-minute shows that they could just jam in there. So that's kind of where I started to decide that that's what I wanted to do. And and then it just kind of like you yeah. built built on the TV experience and then one thing leads to another and it's at Sportsnet. Yeah, it was, it was you know, long story short, after BCIT, I went to Sports Page on a very part-time basis, eight hours a week. Four hours Saturday, four hours Sunday, and I was a production assistant, and my host for those days was John Shorthouse. Oh, we worked fantastic. together to this day, and then just kind of worked my way up from there to, you know, a production assistant, to an associate producer, to a writer, to a producer. Never really got on the air at Sports Page, did a couple reports, and the funny thing being, in the late 90s, I figured that I was just going to be behind the camera. I got hired at the Golf Channel to produce Golf Central. And I was going to go down, I was getting my immigration papers, and then I got hired by Sportsnet as a reporter. So uh, that's kind of changed the course of action, and that was in the fall of 1999. Wow. And was there ever a backup plan, or have you just had a, an easy wave? Do you, could you see yourself being an accountant? Or 
I like I, <laughs> when I was going to school, I wasn't sure. I think that you know, this might not be the real popular answer, but I, I think probably I was thinking about going into policing yeah. if 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 broadcasting didn't make its way. That's kind of a the route that I saw myself going. Yeah. Well, my first year of university was to be an engineer. I wanted to drive the space shuttle. So <laughs> it all it all takes twists and turns, right? But as long as you're, but again, as long as you're doing something, right? As long as you're going to university and and growing yourself and and finding yourself, the path will come. And you know, unless you're absolutely rigid, as like you're Hermy from. Rudolph the Red-Nosed Ranger, and you know you want to be a dentist, and you're, that you're <laughs> yeah. railroaded there. The rest of it is just figure yourself out, right? No question. Life experience. You go to university, you find people that are like-minded, that have similar interests to yourself, and something presents itself. I always said that, just go to school, and you will likely find something, or something will find you. you know, that's that's when I talk about with my kids is, so what I have, I have grade nine and grade, no, grade eight and grade 10 right now are my boys, and... I just keep telling them, it's like, I'm, my job is to give you as many, open as many doors as you can. And it's your job to find the doors. So take advantage of all the opportunities at school, all the extracurriculars. And if you go once and you hate it, well, then that's fine, you know, but you tried it. And I always, I always have a little bit of parental guilt that I didn't, if, if I didn't give them the opportunity to find something that it could have solved some world crisis, but I didn't give them that opportunity. So I'm constantly just trying to say, do as many things, do as many things. Totally true. Totally uh, true. So what do you tell people who want to be the next Dan Murphy, who want to you know, who want to be the next uh, James Duthie? What do you, what do you tell them? I mean, I wish I had James Duthie's salary. I'll tell you that. <laughs> you want to aspire to be him, not me. Yeah. Okay. Um, you know what? It's this business, as you know, it, it's shrinking. It's not expanding, but there are far more avenues to get involved now. You know, when I started, it was either you were kind of on the air or you weren't. There weren't podcasts. There wasn't social media. There wasn't blogs. There weren't all these different things. So I think that if someone wants to come in and, and do this job, learn as much about everything as you can. The more stuff you can do, if you can shoot your own work, if you can produce your own stuff, if you can write your own articles, if you can create content for social if you can get all those things, the more stuff you can do, the far more attractive you are to an employer, obviously, because you can cross check a lot of boxes for them. So practice, it, you don't have to go to school. It helped me greatly, BCIT for sure. But the thing is now you can, you can get stuff on the internet and get discovered uh, if you're good. Uh, the other thing I say is be yourself, right? The only thing that will make you stand out from other people is if you're genuine. Find your own voice. You can copy some things off other people. Like when I first started... I definitely copied like Barry McDonald's writing style and sure. and Don Taylor's on air kind of humor, but you have to find your own voice because that's what's going to set you apart from the rest. And I second BCIT that that's where I went. And you know, when we were starting out, you had to go to BCIT to get the equipment to do the training. But here I am in my basement doing this. Like the tools are, there's no border anymore. There's no barrier to entry. You can you can do it on your own. And when you say, like, do as many different things, you know, I'm going to I'm gonna name check Satya Shah, who 15 years ago started at Z95.3 as a guy who was setting up our remote broadcast. And he was lugging around signage and setting up microphones and handing out stickers. And he wanted to be in sports. <laughs> I was like, all right, good luck with that, kid. And, well, you know what? He was committed and, and look where he is now, right? So yep. Yeah, and it's funny that when I, my first practicum out of BCIT was at CBC. We're going to the newsroom. 
It was myself and Oliver Lum who became a good reporter for BCTV. We sat down in this little desk, two chairs on the other side of it, and I think it was Margot Harper, who was the news director at the time. She came down with this stack of 50 manila envelopes saying, these are dead stories, revive them. And I sat there and I was like, oh my goodness, three weeks, what am I doing? And literally that afternoon, as I'm you know contemplating a career change, Barry McDonald walked by and said, either you guys like sports? I'm like, yeah, he goes, all right, come with me. That was it, he's gone. <laughs> Oliver was by himself in the newsroom. I was with the sports guy and Karen Larson for the next three weeks and, and I got super lucky. That is, and timing. And so if you do, you put yourself out there, both will find you. All right, let's let's just talk some stuff beside your bed. You mentioned that you were you have books that you like to read maybe before bed. What's a what's a new read that you got? See, I I wish I could tell you that I I read important things like biographies and and I have read a couple. I'm currently reading Aaron Volpatti's, the former Vancouver Canuck, yeah. who wrote that one and his experience with uh, you know a terrible burn he suffered when he was 16. So I'm, I'm reading that one. I have read some other biographies, but I, I tend to read like trash novels like uh, Alducci or uh, you know, novels, fiction novels, because I find that you don't have to be mentally sharp at night when you're reading those, right? <laughs> and then you can fall asleep and you're not trying to retain anything. And if sure. you miss a little bit, you can pick up where you left off. So the books that I read don't hold any value. Let's put it that way. Okay. <laughs> question at the, the question at the end of the podcast is is the same murph what does don't change much mean to you it means just start with something small right just make that first step it, once you do and once you find incremental change you know once you see some change some positive results it's going to inspire you to do more but you have to start uh, and that was me back in 1991. I just had to start and get on the right path and you never know where it's going to change you. The other thing is too, like I said, is you don't have to be perfect. You can have an off week, right? It doesn't matter, but you have to get back into what you were doing. Don't let that bad week define the next week or the next two weeks. You don't have to be perfect. Just get started and see where it leads you because, you know, especially guys my age now, you know, things can go off the rails awfully quickly if you don't take care of yourself physically and mentally. So that's what I would say. Well, thanks for letting me take uh, over your chair this month. Thank you very much. I appreciate <laughs> it. Thanks for it.